Welcome to the Wellspring Community Church Podcast, where we exist to help real people find real hope in a real world. We hope today's message encourages you. Let's get into today's episode. But have you ever been scrolling through Instagram or you uh, see a commercial and it's a little puppy and you go, aw. Now I know girls are like, yeah, and guys are like, not me, I've never done that before. Yeah, you have. Or you've seen a little baby with all their rolls, and you're like, oh, it's so cute. Well, a few months ago in the Adkins home, we uh, purchased a brand new puppy. Check it out. It makes you go, oh, does it not? And uh, we wouldn't be uh, Tampa Bay Bucks fans if we did not name our girl dog Brady. So there you go. Uh, Her name is Brady. And uh, another little video, babies make you go, oh, as well. And so check out this little video of my daughter, Layla, when she was two years old. And I'm Brady. And I'm two. It's my birthday. And I'm Brady. And I'm too. I'm too. Come on, it makes you go, aw, does it not? And everybody in the room's had a moment like that where you went, aw. And here's the truth. Can I be honest with you? There, there is, a, there is a, an aw. It's like, aw. But there's a difference between aw and aw. When you add that letter E onto the end of the word, it changes the meaning of the word, aw. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the awe, not the awe, the awe, reverency of who God is. So if you're taking notes, by the way, we're a note-taking church. We say it every single week, note-takers, go to heaven. We don't believe that that's some substitutionary plan to replace the blood of Jesus Christ. We just simply mean if you take a few notes, it'll help you in your walk with Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, write this down, a good definition of awe with the ease looks like this. A feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. The, the word awe, A-W-E, is mentioned 77 times in the Bible. It's not just an Old Testament word. It's a reverential description of who God is. Psalm 111 verse 19 says this. He has paid, speaking of Jesus, a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. It's in awe. It's when we see God and we experience God, it makes our knees buckle just a little bit. And we're like, awe of who God is. Jesus heals the paralytic man of his physical ailment, and then gives him salvation. And the man responds this way in Luke chapter five. Everybody was amazed and gave praise to God. They were, they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. It's in awe. A few years ago, it was two years ago this past summer, April and I and our kids, we went on our sabbatical. Every seven years we do a Uh, a sabbatical and our first one was two years ago and we went out west and we happened to go to the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? And I was standing before the Grand Canyon and I have a picture of what I look like. This is me 
gazing into the canyon of rock and water, and, and I stood there for a good five minutes. I was absolutely in awe of God's creation. I could not believe it. It looked like a green screen, the vastness of the beauty of how God created all of this, the colors and the rock and the sediment. It was incredible, and then we did the unthinkable. We didn't go in, but I will be hiking the rim to rim in October, so I'm super excited about that. I'll be going back there. But on this occasion, we did do the unthinkable. We took a, a picture, and what you cannot see is if April and I take two steps back, we are no longer on the canyon. We are in the canyon. I'm literally, I was like, hurry up. You could see my face. I'm like, yeah, take the picture, hurry up. It's all, it's vastness and beauty. And church, as we begin this brand new year, 2024, I wanna ask you what I believe will be the most pivotal question you're asked over the next 355 days. And it is this, when was the last time you were in awe of God? When was the last time you had a moment where you teared up in his presence? When was the last time you had a moment of conviction because you were doing something you know wasn't right with the Lord? When was the last time you said yes to God when everybody else said, no, it doesn't make sense on paper? When was the last time you stood outside and you stared into nature and you had this thought, this didn't just happen by a big bang. There must be a design creator that created this beautiful thing. And you stood there in awe. When was the last time? Now, the reality is some of you could say, I can remember, it was here, it was here, it was here, it was here. But statistics tell us, actually 70% of those of us in this room, we've never experienced what I'm calling the awe of God. The awe of God is this hidden virtue in scripture that very few people will attain, but everybody has the ability to. As April and I have been praying over the last probably three to four months, of what 2024 would look like for this community of believers called Wellspring. We believe that this message of the all of God will actually be the revelation that will lead to transformation. In fact, let me just say this to you. I'm convinced beyond all convincing that this is the message that the American church needs to hear. We have lost the fear of God. You and I, one day, we will stand before a holy, all-sufficient, perfect, complete in and of himself, God, and we will stand before him, naked as the day is long, and we will say, Lord, may you be pleased with me. That word should require, that should invoke inside of us this holy all-fear. So what I wanna do today is I wanna kinda lay the foundation so let me pray. Father, I pray for those of us that are in this room right now and for those of us that have dismissed the fear of God. Maybe we're in this room and we've been walking out something that we know is not, a, is not in line with your word. And we've, been, we've become so accustomed to this sin that it has actually caused us to actually quench the Holy Spirit in our life. So Father, as we dive into this, Incredible topic, I pray that you would speak, that you would convince your sons and your daughters, including me, of what it means to wholly and reverently fear the God of the universe. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I wanna give credit where credit is due. I did not come up with this topic, The All of God. It was a book written by John Bevere about a year and a half ago. And John Bevere wrote this book. If you don't know John Bevere, he's one of the world's best authors. And he, he wrote a book called All of God. And the tagline says, the astounding way a healthy fear of God transforms your life. We took our entire staff through it, October, November, and December. We walked it through it through our whole staff. And now we're offering it to you as a church. And so on your way out, you'll be able to pick up one of these books. I have no idea how many are left, but we're, you can purchase them for $15, grab it, and dive into it. A lot of the material that I'm giving to you over the next four weeks is found in this book because I'm convinced that the American church has lost what it means to fear a holy, reverent God. If you're looking for a title of the message, it looks like this. It is nothing to hide. Now, I realize today when I say the fear of the Lord, I realize that some of you, this invokes some PTSD of a church that you grew up in and you had to wear a certain thing and live a certain way and have a certain version of the Bible and you, and you had to make dot all your, uh, cross all your T's and dot all your I's and if you didn't do the right thing, you couldn't wear your hat in church, you couldn't wear shorts and they had to go at your knees and you had all of these stipulations and regulations and that's not the fear I'm talking about. This interpretation isn't something that causes you to be scared. This isn't something you need to be confused about. But it is something you need to be aware about. And I've heard people say all the time, well, the fear of the Lord is only during Old Testament times. Or, or maybe you've heard people say this, I'm glad there's no fear now that we're in Christ Jesus. And both are wrong. The holy, reverent, awe, fear of God is in the Old and New Testament. And let me be very, very clear with you, just because we're in Christ does not mean the awe-inspiring fear of God does not still play out for us today. Now, there is a verse in the Bible, and there's a lot of them. Second Timothy, are you, can I teach you a little bit today? Second Timothy 1, verse 7, you know it. It's, it's eight, my wife April's life verse. It says this, for God has not given us a what? A spirit of fear and of timidity, but a power and of love and of, and of self-discipline. There is this spirit of fear. Now, this spirit of fear is from the enemy. It's this fear of people, fear of failure and fear of abandonment. That is, that is from the enemy. That is not from God. But the opposite of the spirit of fear is this awe-inspiring, I don't want anything hidden from God. I want all that I am and all that I do and all that I think to be a place where God has access to. And let me say this to you. If nothing remains hidden from God, it's the safest place you can be. The saddest and scariest place for a Christian to be is to have a junk drawer that they don't allow God in to see. The safest place that you can be is to allow nothing to be hidden between you and the Lord. Philippians chapter two says this, Paul speaking to the church of Philippi, he says, therefore my beloved, we know it's the church, he's not talking to the world. My beloved, my, my sons, my daughters, therefore my beloved as you've always obeyed, not as only in my presence, but you've done it much more when you've not been in my presence. Work out your salvation with what? With, with fear and trembling. I know that not everybody knows all 66 books of the Bible, but let me just help you, that's in the New Testament. 
That there is a holy fear of God that, that we must have. And I think the reason why America is going the way America is going is because we're justifying what sin is. We're rationalizing in our mind. If I don't feel convicted, if I don't feel bad, if I don't feel like it's a bad, I think it's okay. What my brother says or my mom says or I think it's okay. And you need to realize that we are gonna stand before a holy God and we're gonna give an account for everything that we do. Second Corinthians, is this okay? Chapter seven, verse one. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves with all the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness. How do we do that? How do we perfect holiness? How do we be set apart? How do we do that? There's only one way, church. There's only one way for you to be holy, and that is in the idea, the responsibility, the discipleship of fearing God. Now, let me give you two working definitions because they're gonna be different than the church you grew up in. I'm literally, I'm twitching right now because of the church I grew up in. So let me give you two working definitions. Number one is this, that the fear of God is not being afraid of him, but it's being afraid of not, but it's being afraid of being away from him. That's what the fear of God is. It's, it's going, I, I, I just, I don't want to be, I don't want to make this decision outside of his will. I don't want to choose this person outside of his will. I, I don't want to be in this relationship outside of his will. I, I don't want to make this decision financially outside of his will. I want to make sure I've asked him and I've sought his counsel and I've sought wisdom around it. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to stand before a holy God and for the holy God to say, hey, you never asked me. I had an opinion about that. And some of us in this room, listen to me, you're making decisions and you've never consulted the good counselor. You're keeping it hidden from him. And it's the reason why that area of your life is starting to spiral out of control. So the fear of God is not that you'd be scared of him and oh my goodness, I could fall off the cliff. It's I am so scared of what life would look like to make any sort of decision, small or big, outside of consulting the God of the universe. Are you hearing me? Here's another one. Is the fear of God is not being afraid of God, but it's having nothing to hide from him. Everything is open. Whatever God wants, it's all his. Whatever, 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 whatever. This is not just the Old Testament, this is the New Testament. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And thank God we are not under the bondage of our sin. His payment on the cross 2,000 years ago and his resurrection 2,000 years ago paid our sin as far as the east is from the west and he has set our feet on solid ground. However, that does not negate the fact that there is still responsibility to live in honor of what he's asked us to do. I love what Matthew chapter seven says. Jesus said this, listen to this verse. In fact, this is gonna launch us into the rest of our time together. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and, and, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So he gives you a choice. And what I love about God is he gives us this thing called free will. If you wanna go down the wide road, you can go down the wide road, but he gives us the end of the movie and he says, it will lead to destruction. You can do it your own way. You can try it your own way. You can do relationships and marriage and finances and decisions your own way. And if you choose to do that, it will lead to destruction. But if you'll make the decision ahead of time, hello, ahead of time, I'm choosing to go down the narrow gate 
Small is the gate and narrow is the road. And if you choose to go down the narrow gate, you will get life. But the reality is this, only 30% of people in this room will actually find it. So to kind of launch us into the rest of our time together, I have a picture. And I wanna show you this picture because I think this gives us a great image. You'll see a, a road and you'll see this beautiful little red car and this red car is driving down. It's not a broad road, it's a what road? It's an arrow road. And you'll see that this road is winding. It's got ups and downs and rounds and turns. And on both sides of that car are ditches. You can call it what you want, drop-offs. I'm just calling them ditches. And the reality is this, if, if you're not careful or if you're texting or if you fall asleep, you're gonna fall into the ditch, two ditches. And if you fall into the ditch, destruction will enter your life. But praise God, there's these white things and they're called what? Guardrails. And there are times in our life where we start to veer off to go into the ditches, but there are these two guardrails that keep us on the narrow path so that we don't go to the broad road, so that we don't find destruction, so that we stay centered on our life, so that we can actually wholly and reverently fear God. Because at the end of the day, John 10, 10 says that he, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but he wants to give us a life better than we've ever dreamed of. It's an abundant life. So I wanna dive into that for the next few moments. Because on both sides of that car, there are two ditches. And these two ditches are what we find ourselves falling into when we don't stay on the narrow path. We don't reverently fear the Lord. The first, I'm gonna call it the left side of the road is what I'm calling uh, legalism. And legalism is salvation by works. Legalism says it's when I, I base my justification on my own merit, on my own effort. And if I can keep in right standing with God, then I will receive all that God has for me. If it depends on my own merit, on my own effort, then I'm acceptable to God. This is legalism. It's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were in the Bible. They, they, they read the right thing. They did it on the right day. You didn't work on Sabbath. You, you had to do these rules and regulations because at the end of the day, they wanted to be right with God. That's legalism. And there are some of us in this room right now, you stick your nose up at other people because they don't or they do or they right or they wrong or they don't. Let me remind you what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter two. It says, for it is by what? Grace. That you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works, anyway should boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Listen to me, church. If you're not careful, and if you don't stay on the narrow road, you will think you're better than people, you'll think you're more holy than people, you're more righteous than people, and you are eventually gonna fall in destruction in that ditch, and when you get there, the enemy goes, oh, I got him now. But there's a right ditch, and when I say right, I don't mean correct ditch, it's the right side ditch. And this is the area we're gonna go over the next three weeks. It's the opposite of legalism. It's actually the ditch of lawlessness. And lawlessness says that 
I'm gonna rebel against God's ways. That, that there is a way that God has and I'm gonna do what God says to do. I've heard people say, well, we're not under the law, pastor. Remember, Jesus came to abolish the law and we're not under the law anymore, so we don't need to live by the law. And I would say to you, right and wrong. You are right, we're not under the law and we're not bound to sin and God has made us perfect in him. But just because we're not bound to our eternal sin does not mean that God's word is still not true. We're still not supposed to murder. We're still not supposed to commit adultery. We're still not supposed to have other gods before me. We're still not supposed to have idols. We're still not supposed to lie. We're still not supposed to take God's name in vain. And how many know we still aren't supposed to covet what our neighbor has? So just because our eternal standing, listen to me, this is huge, just because our eternal standard, standing isn't defined by the law, we are still responsible to live by what the Bible says. Are you hearing me? Galatians 5, verse 13 says this. And this is where the fear of the Lord happens, right here. Because some of you right now, you're kind of thinking through these things. Oh my goodness, I've justified that. I haven't thought through that. I haven't processed that. I haven't brought God in. Have I really? Listen to what Galatians 5 says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not let your freedom indulge the flesh. You can't just do whatever you want. Yes, you're free from sin eternally. Free from sin and free from shame and free from the bondage of eternal damnation away from him. But let me be clear with you, you are not free to do whatever you want. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the gift of salvation is free, but it comes with a responsibility. Just like when somebody's born into your home, your kids, they don't do anything to earn to be, get your last name. But once they get to a certain age, how many know there's a responsibility to live in this house? You're gonna do dishes and you're gonna mow the grass and you're gonna make your bed. You're gonna do all, why? Be, not, not because I'm doing it so stay in the house. I'm doing it because I'm in the house. Oh, you're not hearing me today. See, so many people, they thought, well, I gotta do it right so that God will allow me to come in. My key will stop, keep working. No, 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 no. We don't do it so we can get in the house. We continue to obey his law because we are already in the house. More we get around the people that are in the house and around God who's in the house, we start to want to do the things that the house rules say to do. Are you following me? Matthew chapter five says this. Don't suppose for a minute that I've come to demolish the law. You saw that, right? This is Jesus talking. This is Jesus. He said, I didn't come to get rid of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the law. I didn't come to get rid of what the prophet said, Isaiah and Jeremiah. I didn't come to get rid of that. I didn't come to demolish it. I'm not here to demolish it, but I'm actually here to complete it. I'm going to put it all together. I'm gonna put it all together in one vast panorama. He says this, God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after the stars burn out and the earth wears out, God's law will always be working. He didn't come to demolish the law, he came to complete it. I wrote it this way. He took it even further than the law. It used to be okay to love your neighbor and hate your enemy or to eye for an eye mentality, but that's not okay now. Jesus says, because I'm here. So I'm taking it further. 
We are called to love those who hate us and to forgive those who hurt us. Legalism and lawlessness. On both of these sides, you see two ditches. And if you're not careful, listen to me, if you're not careful, you will fall in the ditch of legalism. I'm better than. Or you'll fall in the right ditch which says, I can do whatever the heck I want to do. But there are two guardrails that keep us safe. And let me just tell you, there is nothing that can substitute these two guardrails. They are what keep us on that narrow road. These are what keep us on the straight and narrow. These are what keep us at the end of our life when we're standing on our deathbed or laying on our deathbed where we go, man, my life is complete. I raised a good family. I taught people about Jesus. I was whole and healthy and I did everything I can. Why do people sit on a deathbed and go, I regret, 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 I regret. The reason why is because at some point in their life, they fell in the ditch. I don't want you to be a ditch digger. I want you to stay on the right and narrow, the narrow path. So there are two guardrails. And these two guardrails are the antidotes for the ditches. Are you ready? The first is this. So the antidote or, or the, the guardrail for legalism, the guardrail for legalism is simply this. I know this is deep this morning. I get it. It's simply this. It's the love of God. That's the guardrail. That it's the love of God that keeps us out of the ditch of legalism. For God so loved the world that what? That he gave his one and only son. Jesus did it. Jesus died for our sins. His love is unconditional. His forgiveness is available to us. His grace is sufficient. His mercies are new every morning and he is a good, good father. That's it. Notice and nowhere did I say, and then I did this. And then I did that. Because he did that, I did this. And then I went to church, and then I threw dollars in the offering plate, and, and then I raised my hand in church, and then I did this. And then, no, that's works. Listen, let me just say something to you that's not gonna encourage you, but it's true. You deserve hell. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Came to encourage somebody. We deserve hell. There is nothing good inside of us. But for some reason, church, for some reason, God thought it up and nothing he thought up, by the way, that 2,000 years ago he would send the perfect spotless lamb to die a death that we could not die, to pay a penalty that we could not pay, and it's only because of that that we get life and get life abundantly. The moment we start to say, and I did this, 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 you have fallen in the ditch. And the only way is for you to get up every single morning and go, it is only by the grace of God and the love of God that I have what it is that I have, amen? But there is a second ditch. This is where we're going for the next three weeks. But there is a right ditch. And not right as in correct, right as in right. There is a right ditch, and that right ditch is lawlessness. I can do whatever the heck I wanna do. Grace, 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 grace. And that's, that's what you see a lot of happening in America. These churches are popping up, and they're not preaching the word, they're preaching grace. Just grace, 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 grace. Just grace and grace and grace and grace and grace and grace, and all roads lead to God. No, 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 they don't lead to God. So there must be a guardrail so that you don't fall into lawlessness. And the guardrail so you do not fall into lawlessness is the fear of God. It's, it's to fear being away from him. 
It's to fear anything hidden from him. It's you saying to yourself today, I don't want to live in rebellion. I don't want to look at that anymore. I don't want to sleep with my girlfriend anymore. I want to wait till marriage. I don't want to stop saying coarse joking. I've been lying for way too long. Like, I don't want to hide that from God anymore. I'm done lying. I'm done looking at that on the internet. I'm done coveting my neighbor. I'm just done with it. I want to get close to God. I want to walk in his ways. I want to be pleasing to him. I want to know him more. And I want to simply be in awe of who God is. It's the fear of God. So here's the way that it works. To walk with Jesus, it takes both the love of God and the fear of God. To stay on the narrow path, it's not to be scared of God. It's not to be, oh my goodness, God's around. It's, oh my goodness, God's around. Come on, God, just get close to me. Get close to my whatever I'm going through. I need you more than ever. So here's where I want to end it today. I got about five minutes. And here's where I want to end it. I want to end it by giving you the ABCs to remain open to God. To open and be staying on that right path. We're going to unpack this fear of God over the next three weeks. Number one, it's ABC. You're welcome. That's what preachers do. Okay? Ask God for more of his presence. Ask God for more of his presence. I need more of you, more of you, more of you. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's the last place you saw him. He's in your car. He's in this church service. He'll crawl up into bed with you. He'll be near you. Whatever you need, he's close. My Bible says that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. He's omnipresent. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me, this is speaking of Jesus, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures, and it's at your right hand. This is presence. Now, there is something that goes even further than just his presence, and it's called what I call the manifest presence of God. And that's for some of us in this room, you've experienced a divine miracle. You went to the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, stage four, done. Get your affairs in order. You went to church, you went to a prayer meeting, you got in your prayer closet, you fasted, I don't know what you did, but you went back for your next appointment and they said, I don't know what happened, but the cancer's gone. You know what that is? That's the manifest presence of God. It's a couple that sits into an office of a pastor and says, we're done, we're getting divorced. Already went to the courthouse, we're filing papers. When the pastor says, will you give me 30 days? I'll give you 30 days. And on day 31, the couple comes back in and says, I don't know what we would have done. Our marriage is the best it's ever been. That's the manifest presence of God. Ask God to get involved in whatever it is your thing. Whatever the thing you're going through, ask God to get involved. The B is this, to become self-aware. Become self-aware. Now this is the reality because I think there's one thing you just cannot teach and that's self-awareness. I know not everybody wants to work at Wellspring, but I tell every new hire that works here, if you don't have self-awareness, you're not gonna make it here. One of our core values as a staff is healthy. And the tagline is this, you're responsible for your own health. You're responsible to let us know where you're at. Self-awareness is a key, the kingdom of God. But there's a public you. The public you is this, 
I know and you know. Weather, sports, it's what we're doing, it's the car we drive, it's the you know, I know. It's the public you. This is the surface level. So many people stay here. And many of you in this room, you've got friends that don't go beyond this step. We know the little things. But there's a step that we must take. And the next step is, is the mask step. I know, but you don't know. That there are some things that I'm hiding from you. There's some things that I'm not gonna tell you about and they're hidden and I'm not gonna tell you all those things because I'm afraid of what you may think about me and so I just hide them from you and, and I know them, I'm aware of them, but I'm not gonna tell you that I know them. And then there's a third step, maybe some of you are here, or maybe you're here, it, it's the blind, blind spot step, which is you know, but I don't know. It's, you, I got corn in my teeth or my zipper's down. Or I've got B.O. and nobody told me about it all day. You better have some friends in your life that tell you some things that you don't know. Can I give you a few? Some of you don't know the scowl that you give to people. Some of us have no idea the tone of our voice invokes anger into everybody that comes in contact with us. It's the tone of your voice. You're unaware. You better have some people in your life that help to point out your blind spots. Here's how to do it. Here's how to do it. You ask, ask somebody this question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? <laughs> Don't ask it if you're not ready to get it. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Ask your kids, what's it like to have me as your dad? And ask for some truth. What's it like to be married to me? Let me make a list. It's a blind spot. The only way for you to stay on the narrow path is to know that. And then the fourth is simply this. It's the potential step. It's the I don't know and you don't know. Now the world doesn't know what to do with this step. And the reason why the world doesn't know what to do with it because the world doesn't house the Holy Spirit, but we do. It's the most scary, but it's the most important step. This step right here lets us know that we would not be who we were if it were not for the people around. I just wrote a few down. Joshua wouldn't have fulfilled his potential without Moses. Elisha wouldn't have fulfilled his potential without Elijah. Timothy wouldn't have fulfilled his potential without Paul. Jesus wouldn't even have fulfilled his entire potential if it was not for the disciples. And the disciples would not have fulfilled his, their potential if it was not for Jesus. You better have some people in your life that actually live out this verse. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from the enemy. Now, I'm gonna show you the next verse that I've never seen in my entire life. I literally was telling our staff about this this week and I just said, man, if we could put this next verse on every billboard in New York City, Chicago, LA, every, every major city in our world, like and actually preach it, not like megaphone it, but like preach it, I think it would change. And here's the verse, 1 Corinthians. Maybe you've seen it before. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Have you ever had people that justify their sin and go, I don't have any conviction about it. I think it's fine. Like, I think it's good. I think God's okay with me sleeping with my girlfriend. I think he's good with it. Like, I don't feel anything about that. No, 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 listen to me. Just because your conscience is clear doesn't make it right. 
at some point in our life, we're gonna be judged for not staying on the narrow path. Your job is to stay on the narrow path, but you cannot do it because you will fall in legalism or you will fall in lawlessness. You better have these two guardrails, the love of God and the fear of God. And so people around you, that's why we've got marriage conference coming up. That's why we got groups launching. That, 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 that's why we have growth classes that are launching. That's why young adults are going through the all of God together. Why? So that you can be who God's called you to be. And here's the last one. Is you better carve out some time to be close to God. You know, the world doesn't celebrate rest. The world celebrates busyness. How you been? Busy? Just busy, real busy. Just tell you right now, if you're working 60, 70 hours a week, if you're not eating together at the dining room table at least three or four nights a week together as a family, if you're not going on on date nights with your spouse, if you're not going to overnight dates with just your wife, if you're not taking off family vacations, let me just tell you something about the truth about the word is when you get sleepy, you get sloppy. It's in your sleepy seasons that you'll end up doing something you know you should not do. That's why I'm telling you, carve out some time with God, get a Sabbath, get a 24 hour period where you can rest and cease and take a break. David has this moment with God. He's pleading to God. He, was, he wants time with him and he's getting his beautiful time with God. And he says this in Psalm 86. You Lord are forgiving and you're good. You're abounding in love all who call to you. Six verses later, he makes this declaration to God. Here's what I want out of you, God. Will you teach me your way? Help me stay on the narrow path that I can rely on your faithfulness, the love of God and the fear of God. Would you give me an undivided heart? You know what that means? I'm not gonna follow what the world says. I'm gonna follow what God says because at the end of this day, the life that you want is really the life that God wants to give you. You just don't know what you really want right now. That I may, there it is, that I may fear your name. There are two ditches, it's legalism and lawlessness. There are these two guardrails that keep us on the straight and narrow. It's the love of God and it's the fear of God. We're gonna unpack the fear of God over the next three weeks, but I do wanna let you know this. But on Wednesday, we are kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And some of you right now, there's some things that you need in your life. There are three things that I'm fasting for, three things. One of them has already, already taken steps yesterday of being fulfilled. I, I started my fast a few days ago because I'm more spiritual than you. But I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm glad you laughed because that would have been really detrimental to the message. I'm glad you knew I was joking. But I've already had one already start to be fulfilled. So what is it for you? What is it that you desperately need from God? You can go to our website. You can go to wellspringfl.com slash fast and you'll get all the resources there. What a selective fast, a partial fast, what a complete fast looks like. Here's my ask of you. This is my ask of our church. By the way, this is an all skate. I'm asking everybody to participate. Everybody. But can I ask you to do something that may be a little bit different for you? I'm asking you to do some sort of food. It's the most biblical way to fast. You can fast social media, that's fine. You can fast your TV show, it's fine. But the most biblical way to fast is to eliminate food, some sort of food from your life, and to say, God, 
I'm all yours. So for me, if you care, I'm, we're fasting sugar and carbs. That's what I'm fasting, sugar and carbs. So whatever it is for you, take it out of your life, give it back to the Lord. Because here's why. We're the red car. We're traveling down the road. And there's a narrow road, there's a steep hill, there's a wide turn, to the, narrow turn to the left. And if you're not careful, you will slip slide all down into lawlessness. But if you allow the guardrails to lead you, God will be with you every step of the way. How many of you are thankful for the love of God? Anybody thankful for the love of God? How many of you want, you don't have to clap for this one, but how many of you want to learn more about the fear of God? I just want to learn more about the fear of God. What that means to divinely, holy fear God. Grab this book. There's several copies out there. You can go grab it. We'll dive into it over the next few weeks. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for the time that we have in your presence. I pray that you would continue to speak to us, that you would continue to make us who you want us to be. God, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to preach messages that, that make people feel good. I, I really want to preach messages that help people be better. So God, I pray that even though this would be convicting, tough to listen to, that we would walk out of this room knowing we, we are better. We're challenged and we're convicted. To know nothing is hidden from you. I want to stay close to you. Now with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, nobody looking. How many of you in this room, you've never given your life to Jesus? You've never asked him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never done that before, pray this simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Heal me. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for heaven. I trust you. How many of you in this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, you prayed that prayer for the very first time? Would you just lift your hand up? Just like, no, I prayed that with. Awesome, awesome, fantastic. Praise the Lord, we see you. We won't embarrass you, we won't call you out. Not gonna do anything like that. Yeah, great. We see you, several. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. Father, I thank you so much for this moment, this moment in your presence, this moment where we get to see you shine. Not just shine in the world, but to shine in our lives. So that we can be a light, the salt and the light of this dark, dark, dark world. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Hey, would you stand? And we're gonna go into a time of response. Pastor Ryan's gonna lead us. And maybe you need to go to the cross. Maybe there's a sin that you've been holding on to. Go to that cross, nail it to the cross. Maybe you need to come light a candle. Somebody in your life that you know is not living right. Come light a, don't yell their name, but come light a candle in honor of them. Maybe they come take communion, whatever it is, respond. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about Wellspring Community Church, visit our website at wellspringfl.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend services. We'll see you in the next episode.